I invited a guest speaker to join me on the stage for the last app session. If you don't know why you're in here, this is the uh, how to close the back door of your church through small groups and a dream team. It does not offend me for you to get up and leave if you didn't realize that was what you were coming in for. And uh, I saw this cowboy uh, walking out and I thought I'd grab him because every one of you need to know this guy right here. <laughs> so he had no idea I was going to grab him. This is Pastor Jeremy Foster. Anybody ever heard of Hope City Church? Come on, man. How important are small groups? You give, give, answer that question, and then I'll teach about how we do it. Okay. Uh, if you don't give people something to become a part of, um, then you're just, you're just giving them a show. Um, they have to have people they connect to. Here's how important small groups are. Before Jesus did his very first recorded miracle, he built a group. The Bible says that his disciples and Jesus were invited to the wedding at Cana of Galilee, which meant the first thing he did was build a group because he understood that if I don't build a group, I don't have anything to actually hold this ministry. Um, who did he hand the ministry to? What one disciple did he hand the ministry to? He didn't hand it to one, he handed it to a group. And so if I build a church, um, I'm, I, I have a communication gift. And if I communicate really, really well, but I don't have anybody else to help me pastor the people, then it all falls on me. And everybody's gonna call me, and everybody's gonna need me, and I love people, I just don't love them that much. I don't wanna come home from Disney World, you know what I mean? I, I want them to lean on other people. Where'd Lane go? <laughs> I love you, bro. If they don't, no, it's not true. If they don't, if they don't have someone, well, here's the thing. If I don't empower other people to lead, I don't get to use their gifts. And, and it's, it's my job as the leader not to do the ministry, to empower the ministry. And so if I have to, if, if, if all the smoke has to be coming out of my chimney to call it fire, that's not ministry. That's performance. And I'm not interested in performance. I'm interested in empowering other people to raise them up because here's the truth. They connect with people better than you, especially if you're a senior leader. They can, and you need to connect up front. If you're the senior leader, you need to be able to connect up front, but you have to have a point of connection to send them to. We have over 600 groups at our church. So people look at our church and we, we run between 10 and 12,000 on the weekend now in four years. There's no way that you can sustain that kind of thing without groups. And so the way that we do ministry is in groups. We had a guy go in the hospital yesterday and I didn't call him. He had group leaders showing up immediately. He had a severe leg break. We do all, everybody say all. all. All of our member care is through groups. I don't go to hospitals. I can't. We have more than 20 hospitals in the Houston area. If you go to a hospital, I don't even know where you are, but your group does. And so if you don't have groups, you, you're, you're not, number one, you're not pastoring like Jesus and you're not pastoring well. So you have to have groups and you have to empower them. Now, this, the, is it okay, Lane, if I just tell one more thing? Um, the biggest challenge that I hear a lot of people say is, well, how do we control them? Well, Jesus couldn't even control his group. He had a devil that crucified him in his, so why are you worried about controlling the groups all the time? Well, I mean, I'm afraid if we turn them loose, then somebody's gonna build a church. Well, guess what? Those guys are gonna build a little church, they're gonna build a little group, and they're gonna get all the devils out of your church. So let them go, you know what I mean? Let them go, y'all build that crazy little group. Just a, crazy attracts crazy. Let them have their group, cut them loose, and start their little church, don't worry about it, okay? Because they, they would have caused you problems later on. I'd just rather get them out early, and God bless y'all, and have a good time, and I'll help support you. Y'all go, go to ARC training, um, see what happens. But 
if you, if you build the structure right, they'll check on one another. And Lane can talk to you about the structure. I'm done. Oh, I knew he would be better than me. So I just grabbed him and that, that, that was awesome. And he hit everything. So uh, good to see y'all. You get to have an early break. So, um, Pastor Jeremy's amazing. He has built an amazing church, has an amazing team, and, uh, and truly believes uh, in the power of small groups, as you could tell, and I knew he would have some great insight uh, for you, uh, and he is a great preacher, and I will come with the teacher side of things. If you don't know who I am, my name's Lane Strands. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Highlands, and uh, I had the uh, amazing privilege of being here from the very beginning. I, uh, I've been here for 18 years, was the only staff member, uh, along with a, an amazing uh, dream team of volunteers for the first year with Pastor Chris, and uh, it's been an amazing journey. But this church is built on uh, small groups, and so we're going to talk about that. The Ark said, would you please teach on how to close the back door of your church through small groups and a dream team? And so a little bit of my story will line up exactly with what Pastor Jeremy said, even though he didn't know he was going to be saying anything. I was 17 years old. My best friend, Corey Hardesty, who is actually our chapel campus pastor here, uh, invited me to go to his youth group, which I turned him down for about two years because at his youth group, I heard that they had drums. I heard they had electric guitars. I heard that people danced in church, and I stayed away. I thought, that's crazy. Uh, I loved God, but I hated church, but was brought up in church. Finally, got tired of the fact that I knew Corey had something I didn't have, so I finally said yes and went to his youth group, walked in, uh, saw about 150 teenagers on fire for Jesus. The worship started, and I almost left. Freaked me out. People lifting their hands, literally people dancing, shouting, clapping. It was crazy. By the end of worship, which in that youth group at that time, it was probably 30, 40 minutes of worship. My hands were in the air, tears coming down my face, and everything changed for me. I finally realized that you could love church and love God at the same time. I finally realized that there were more people that loved God than me and Corey, that, that people were in love with Jesus. It was a catalyst moment. Uh, the youth pastor led the worship, and then the youth pastor preached an amazing message that I don't remember. Sorry, senior pastors, we do not remember your messages. But it was a catalyst moment in my life that literally wouldn't have put me here. Now, 30 years later, it was 30 years ago in February that I walked into that youth group. But where my life changed was that Corey said, hey, we have a small group on Tuesday night at the youth pastor's house. It's called Prayer Warriors. We're gonna pray for next Wednesday's you service. We're going to pray for an hour. Why don't you come over to his house? It's, it's going to be awesome. And I had never prayed for more than three minutes. Uh, uh, the longest prayers I ever were a part of, was of, ever a part of was the, the circle prayer. Pastor Mekon, you ever be in those? You know, you, you, you just squeeze your hand when you're done. And if you don't want to pray, you just pass the squeeze on. Squeeze, squeeze, right? Like, uh, that's all. So we're going to pray for an hour. I was a little freaked out. And, uh, had the amazing privilege to walk into the house of Pastor Chris and Tammy Hodges on that Tuesday night. See, the youth pastor, the worship leader, the associate pastor of that church was Pastor Chris 30 years ago. And I remember the living room. I remember my prayer area of learning 
how to pray out loud. I would go actually down by the laundry room and come in and out of the hallway between the laundry room and the half bath. That's where I prayed in their house in Colorado Springs. It's where I learned how to pray. It's where I learned how to pray for an hour. But I also remember ping pong in the garage. Pastor Chris is really good. I am zero for 100. I don't know how many times he beat me. I never beat him. We'd play basketball in the driveway. It never made sense because it was a driveway. <laughs> like It wasn't flat. It was terrible. The, the hoop was probably not 10 foot. But, but those are the things that I, I remember. I can remember sitting around the kitchen table eating Miss Tammy's chocolate chip cookies, talking about girls and calling and ministry and life. That, in Briargate, the neighborhood in Colorado Springs, is where my life changed. It wasn't the service. Yes, that was a catalyst. Yes, that's important. That is a part of the big picture. But there's more to it than that. And we believe and we preach and we try to help as many churches as possible with the fact that real life change happens in the context of relationships. So as church leaders, we have to do everything we can do to facilitate that, to give people the best opportunity possible for them to get connected in relationship. And if we can do that, we can then begin to, to shut the back door of our church. Not so our church can get bigger, but so people can get bigger. So people can grow. So that Lane can go from a, a high school kid that hates church to standing at the art conference and talking to you about church. Like that can't happen without small group. It just can't happen. Senior pastors, you probably can't tell us the last five messages you preached. I, I'm thankful that Pastor Chris is not here, although he can be watching online. Please don't tell him, but I don't remember the last five messages he preached. Please don't tell him. I hope he's not watching right now. I love you, Pastor Chris. Thank you for my job. But every one of us can name five people that have had an impact on our life. It's real. That's the, that's the way it, it happens. I wrote a few things down. If you reach but can't keep, you may be creating spiritual orphans. Or even worse, giving them an awareness of Jesus without next steps to a life-changing, freedom-bringing, world-changing relationship with Jesus. My man Obed Martinez from California, God bless him out in Palm Springs, he says it this way, you can't offer them the best step, that's salvation, without giving them the next step, which we believe is finding freedom and discovering purpose and making a difference. There has to be next steps. There's, there's more to it than the reaching. We've got to be able to give them next steps so that they then can do something themselves and, and reach others. However, if you keep people in your church, but don't reach people in your church, you may be coddling the already comfortable. So it's both and. So this session is not about just keeping people. This session is what do we do to keep the people that we've reached, because we got to keep reaching people. Another way to say it is it's about Sunday, stupid. Like, this is, this, this is important, but so is that. We still have to reach people and then be able to give them 
an environment where they can grow, where they can find freedom, where they can discover who they really are so that then they can make the difference that God has for them in other people's lives. First Peter 2, 21, out of the message, this is so cool. This is the kind of life that you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy said it perfectly, like that, that, that Jesus lived out small groups. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. Our job as pastors and leaders is to take people on a journey. Everybody's in a different place. We've got to help them go from where they are to where God wants them to be. I think Pastor Craig Rochelle was probably, I mean, he's the first person I heard say it this way, and that is that every human being needs to be known and needs to be needed. And unfortunately, I think sometimes in church, the, the, the pastor is the one that needs to be known and needs to be needed and builds the church around his need to be known and his need to be needed. But we... As pastors, our job is so that they can be known and needed. Not that we can be known and needed, that they can be known and needed. And that's why small groups and dream team kind of are, are inseparable. And if you're wondering what dream team is, that's our word for volunteer. We've never said volunteer at Highlands for the last 18 years. We call our volunteers dream team. That, that these two pieces are literally what will close the back door. Once you've reached them, you can keep them if you have them in a place where they are needed and known, where they have relationship, where they have an outlet to serve other people. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you can do that. Our job, I love everything that Jeremy said is better than the way I say it. Uh, our job is not to, to do the ministry. This might freak you out especially if you're not a senior leader. But Pastor Chris has always said this since I was the only pastor on staff, and we have quite a few on staff now. He's always said, if I catch you doing ministry, I will fire you. Why would he say that? Because if I do the ministry, I have stolen it from a believer. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. That's us. Their responsibility is to do all the ministry. No, it's not what it says. To equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So our job is to give it away. Our job is to empower, not to do everything, but to give everything away to the saints, to equip them to do the ministry that God has placed in their life. Now, of course, I've done a few weddings. I've done a few funerals. I've actually done one of each in the last week and a half, and that's okay. We still do ministry, but for the most part, we give as much of it as way as we can give away so that, that people grow. If if I take you back again to Colorado Springs and in our youth ministry, I, I, I got involved as fast as I could. I was in the Tuesday night small group, and I'll never forget this. About six months later, Pastor Chris offered me a pastoral position. I was 17 years old, going into my senior year of high school. 
He's like, Lane, I want you to be the bus pastor. Really? Pastor Dan, you remember when you didn't have a youth group if you didn't have a bus? Like, thank you, Pastor Willie George. He's out there in the foyer. Like, like 180 had buses, and we needed buses, and that's what we're going to do is we're going to bus kids. And, and see, what Pastor Chris needed was child care on the bus. He needed a security guard on the bus. That's what he needed. But as any great leader does, you take a task and you turn it into ministry. He said, I, he didn't say, I want you to be the security guy on the bus. He said, I believe you're a pastor. I want you to pastor those kids. They're in the bus. They're not going anywhere. They're going to show up when the youth group starts. They're going to leave when it ends. I will never spend five minutes with them. You will have up to 30 or 45 minutes with different students. You're going to know who's hurting, who's failing class, whose parents got divorced. You're going to be able to pastor those kids. And I'm like, 17, and I'm a pastor. Wow, this is amazing. But he was equipping me. And I look back to that, and I, I remember that maybe a, a month in, a girl got off the bus. She said, I'm never coming back. And it just ripped my heart out. I remember calling Pastor Chris that night crying. I'm never going to be a pastor. I'm a failure. She's never coming back to church. What did I do wrong? What, what? And he knew he was equipping me. I was learning some realities of ministry even at 17 years old. But as I look back to the last 30 years, literally all of my significant spiritual growth happened by leading, not listening. By doing ministry, not being taught ministry. Not, not listening in a classroom, but actually practicing on the field. And doing it. And we have to create those environments for people to grow. Oh, I don't know if they're ready. I don't know. I don't, like Jeremy said, like, oh man, they're crazy. I don't know if we could give them a small group. I, I don't know if, if they have enough training. I don't know if they've been a believer long enough. Oh boy, we better, we, we better have a longer system. We need a better process before we trust them with ministry. I'll read to you a process that Paul laid out in 2 Corinthians as he wrote to that church because I think many of us hold back ministry and we actually think that we are protecting the church and yet we are preventing people's growth. So we're just, we're just kind of like, oh, you're just not ready yet, so let's just keep attending for a while and maybe, maybe serve on the team for a while and before you ever lead a small group. But Here's what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. You're familiar with 17. You might not know the rest that well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And after we graduated from Oral Roberts University or Highlands College, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh-uh. When you're in Christ... You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Welcome to the ministry. Not welcome to a long process. Not welcome to getting an MDiv first. Nope, it's pretty much right there. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. If you want to know why he can do it, it's because of that. Because he doesn't count our sins against us, we can be given the ministry, and he has committed to us the message 
of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So every believer in your church has been given the ministry, has been given the message, and is an ambassador. Every one of them. Even the ones that are crazy. Even the ones that you don't think have got it all together. God has a different view of them. Because he doesn't count their shortcomings against them. And maybe we've been preventing their growth because we've not trusted them. Maybe we've been too protective and we've, we've, we've tried to make sure that we have control, as Pastor Jeremy said. And yet, Jesus did the exact opposite. Man, he sent those guys out. They failed more, more times. I mean, they, they learned, though, when they failed, right? Oh, I forgot to tell you, that, only comes, that demon only comes out by prayer and fasting, right? So there was a lot of empowerment. There was a lot of giving it away, even to the degree that one of them messed up so bad that he turned Jesus over. Like, not everything worked out. Not all the disciples were great perfect leaders, and that's okay. Ministry is messy. It's okay for it to be messy because life is messy. But I'm thankful that I had a youth pastor that was okay with the mess. I'm thankful that Pastor Chris said, hey, be my bus pastor at 17 years old. I can't even tell you how fast I was growing spiritually, what my prayer life became like when I had the responsibility of those kids riding the bus. Like the, the, the pressure and the weight I, I felt of ministry that was only there because I had a leader who believed in me long before I was ready, long before I had the proper training or the, or the experience of it. And I know many of you are like, I thought this was an app session. I don't need to be motivated. I already believe in this. I, I, I understand that. And I went back and forth, honestly. Because here at Church of the Highlands, because of Grow, we, we teach practical. We, we teach the how-to and all that. But God helped me. The ark asked me to do small groups and dream team. That's ours for us to be able to teach the how-to of that. And I thought after probably, I guess it's been our whole time of 18 years that Churches have been trying to learn from us with small groups. I thought that, that I would just kind of start with the story side of it. Because I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for small groups. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have leadership that let me mess up and was okay with me messing up and okay with me not being ready. Because God qualifies the unqualified. God will, God will help you grow when you are freaked out of your mind. When you're giving ministry to your people, they will grow faster than when you're holding it back from them. Of course they're not ready. Neither was Peter. But Jesus gave it away, and we can do the same, and we need to have a system to be able to empower them to do that. And I think it comes down to really just a different approach. If we can separate the, the culture of Jesus' day, you, you have two types of learning, and it actually uh, has kind of taken over the education system of our day. You have the Greek type of learning, and you have the Hebrew type of learning. Of course, Jesus was in that Hebrew environment, and we are, as Americans, in the Greek environment. The Greek environment is you have an expert teach on a subject. And you would get a degree in a subject. You would focus on a specific thing and learn a specific thing. 
And the expert in that area is who you would look to to help get a degree in that thing. And that's where the classroom, that we're, this is a Greek environment right now, Greek learning environment. That's where the rows came in. But the Hebrew environment was very different. Rather than having eight different professors and eight different topics, you had a rabbi. And the rabbi didn't teach you one thing, he taught you everything. So you, you learned language and finance and marriage and theology from one person. So you didn't have a degree in a subject, you had a degree in a person. So I, I don't have a collegiate degree, but I have a degree in Chris Hodges. So you would know what I know if you know Chris Hodges. That's the Hebrew environment. And I think, I think in our, our Greek culture, we look at small groups like they're Greek education systems. Like, go sit in a room and let somebody teach you something. That, that was Sunday school. It's a Greek environment. It's a, it's a learning environment. It's an intellectual environment. Yet that's not the environment of small group that Jesus led. He led a, a relational environment. Let's do life together. Let's just, let's just go through life, and as things happen, we're going to learn. Until we deal with a demon that won't come out, we're really not going to talk about that. Until somebody in our group says, I want to kill myself, we're really not going to train everybody how to deal with that. Because you can't teach everything to everybody. But we can go through life together and we can learn through the process. And of course, it's messy. I'm so thankful for a, a little invitation that I got a few weeks ago. Actually, probably over a month ago, a guy at my gym who's new to our church who is in a small group from one of our campuses, our River Chase campus, he's like, man, Lane, if you would come to my small group, they, these guys would flip out and they would think I was really cool. <laughs> and I could, see that, I could see that Mario really wanted me to come to a small group. Like I could see, like, I can really bless him if I'll show up. He's a single dad, he's got a beautiful little girl, and I just did it because Mario asked me to. And I walked into a men's small group, this precious couple, uh, trying to pay off school debt. They've got a little baby. The wife just goes into, into, into the bedroom with, with the little baby while all these men invade her house. And I hung out with 13 guys that I didn't know. And I was overwhelmed with the fact that there was laughter and there was some honest conversation. And there was just life happening with this group of men that prior to this semester didn't know each other. Some of them maybe knew one or two of the others, but now they're in this group, and even, I don't know how far we're into the semester, I think we're eight or nine weeks into our semester, man, these guys were trusting each other. These guys are praying for each other. And I'm like, man, this is so cool that none of them are dependent on a pastor. None, none of them are, are, are looking beyond their group for their needs to be met. They're caring for one another. And they're going to be there for each other if something goes wrong. And so the, the practical side of this is beautiful. So Jeremy touched on it for a second. But here at Highlands, all ministry, all pastoral care is handled through small groups. Because that's God's way. It's the best way to care for people. It was probably over, it was probably over 10 years ago we had a, a, a police officer in town. Uh, they were at the River Chase campus, actually, and he lived on that side of town. Uh, on his way to work at 5.30 in the morning, on a Sunday morning, he was riding his personal motorcycle to go pick up his police cruiser 
And on, on I-65, he hit a deer and crashed his motorcycle. Amazingly enough, survived that accident, got up to get out of the interstate and was struck and killed by two cars. It was a terrible tragedy. A police officer who still serves at our River Chase campus had my cell phone number, called me early that morning, told me what had happened and said, hey, our chaplain is on the way to, to talk to Amy and tell her, his wife what had happened. Get there as soon as you can. I was on my way actually here to the church, came by, let Pastor Chris know what was going on, had to go to our database to find their address, had to look it up and find my way across town. And by the time I get to the house, which wasn't really that long, there was cars everywhere. I remember an older lady in the front yard with their teenage daughter. It was early, early in the morning. The sun had just come up. She's just holding the teenage daughter, and the front door was open, so I just walked in. I heard some adults upstairs with the small children, went into the living room, and you have a couple ladies sitting there with Amy on the couch. She's bawling. They're just holding on to her. I'm assuming that this is family that's there. I do what a good pastor does. I sat on the coffee table across from her. I held her hands, tried to encourage her, shared a scripture with her, prayed with her as she was crying. While all that's happening, more people are coming in. I mean, it's basically 6.37 in the morning. And I'll never forget this. I think Blake's in here. Your dad showed up. He eventually, Blake's dad, Keith, ended up being one of our campus pastors. He went to be with the Lord three years ago last Sunday. Um, but he wasn't on staff. He, 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 he kind of just pulled me off to the side, and he's like, you can leave now. I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? See, what Keith knew is everybody there wasn't family. It was our small group. They had it. Amy wasn't in one small group. She was in two small groups. And with a great sense of pride, I got kicked out of the house. <laughs> Rightfully so, because super pastor cannot care for Amy and those children like a small group can care for Amy and those children. See, they'd already been to the house. They already knew where she lived. They knew the names of the kids. Those hugs were real, and they weren't strangers because they were doing life together. I remember checking in on Amy a couple months later, and she was like, Lane, our church is amazing. I haven't made a meal in two months. Like, what pastor can care like that? It's a beautiful, amazing thing to put ministry in the hands of the saints, to give it away, to not try to be Superman, but be super empowering and give it away. Our system here is what we would call the free market system of small groups, which means we don't have small groups that look like us we don't have small groups that do what we think small groups should do, but we have small groups that look like the people that God brings us. So it's literally free market. Just as our business in America operates on a free market, our small groups operate in a free market. So you can lead a small group basically based on anything that you like. If you like prayer, you can lead a prayer small group. If you like playing basketball, you can lead a basketball small group. If you if you like underwater basket weaving, lead away. If you want to wave flags and worship, go for it. If you want to pray in tongues for three hours, go right ahead. It's free market. 
Now, in the free market, there's a few rules. <laughs> if you want to worship the devil, we wouldn't approve that group, okay? So, so there's, some, there's some guidelines. There's some government in the free market. But as long as it's not devil worship or illegal, we're pretty much going to say, go right ahead. Because as Jeremy mentioned, birds of a feather flock together. The crazies will gather crazies. The person that you're worried, oh, we could never let them lead a small group. They have horrible breath, bad BO, like they're weird. Let the market determine whether anybody will go to their small group. And what you might not know is there's a lot of other people like them in your church and they'd love to hang out together. You might not allow flag-waving worshipers during church. We don't. We don't allow tambourines. But if you want to have a tambourine small group, go right ahead. If your motive was to be on the stage, you'll leave the church. If your motive is pure and you want to worship God with a tambourine, go right ahead. Who are we to say that's not okay? And we thought it was kind of crazy. Like, who would want to do that? Next thing you know, there's 30 of them gathering together, playing their tambourines. Who was right and who was wrong? Go right ahead. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We don't, I don't think we have a tambourine small group. <laughs> I think, I remember one time back over here, it was Pastor Steve, my brother-in-law, he was walking down the aisle and he saw a lady pulling it out of her purse. Like he, she was like gonna sneak it out and he, he had to go confront that. But, um, <laughs> but here's what would happen. We would say, oh, oh, no, no, this isn't the place for that. If you love doing that, start a small group. We say yes to just about everything around here because the body is made up of many parts and all the parts are different. And so we're okay with all those different parts having their expression of what they do and what that looks like and, and how that works for them and how they can touch other people that are like them because they're not going to reach people that are like me or that are like you. They're not going to care for people that have completely different interests or in a completely different demographic. It's a beautiful thing when the, when the market begins to work, but you have to trust that Jesus will build his church, that Jesus will bring the right people. And you have to, of course, have some systems in place and, and some protections in place, and we, we have those, and we're going to be able to talk about those. I have to get the dream team as well here, and so here's, here's what we've done. I'm, I'm taking a time out for training and that is next Wednesday, we're going to have our, our in-house expert, we call him the sniper, Ian Spicer, uh, who oversees these areas in our church, is going to do an online training and, and next, two, next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central. And so we have an email address. All you have to do is email that email address. You'll get a link to that training. And if you can't get on the training live, you'll be able to log in later and watch that training uh, through Grow Leader. Uh, but there's no way we can get to all the specifics and all of your questions in one hour on both of these areas. And so do we have that email? Can you guys just put it up there and leave it up there um, for everybody to write that down? So next Wednesday, 2 p.m., there'll be an online training that will get as far deep as you have questions for in these areas. But the small groups, we have to back up and, and understand that the success at Highlands is a total commitment to believing in and facilitating a structure for small groups to thrive in. Small groups at Highlands are not a department. Small groups are not going to be a success at your church because you hired the right leader. 
That's not how it works. It takes total commitment from the top down. When we were a brand new church plant, Pastor Chris led three free market small groups himself. I was leading different small groups for the different categories of our student ministries that I was responsible for. So we are both leading multiple small groups because it takes a total commitment. 18 years later, every staff member of our church, from the ones upstairs that work production, to the ones that create the videos, to the ones that are on stages leading worship or campus pastors, if you work at Church of the Highlands, we all lead small groups. We are all in. It's a total commitment. It is not a department. Oh, we have this ministry and that ministry, and we have a small groups ministry. No, uh, uh, uh. All ministry is small groups. We're all in, from Pastor Chris all the way down to the newest employee of our church. Not leading a small group and working at this church would be the same thing as not attending this church and working at this church. Like, it's one and the same. Because we're telling everybody at our church every Sunday, Get in a small group. Get connected. If you want somebody praying for you by name, get in a small group. If you want somebody to be there for you, if you have a tragedy, if, if, if you're in the hospital and need somebody cutting your grass, get in a small group. We say it all the time, so we have to live it as well. I've been on staff for 18 years. People that have been in our church for 18 years that are not on staff, they work a job, and we're asking them to be in a small group. We're asking them to be on the dream team. Why wouldn't I? And so I'm, I'm on the dream team at Highlands as a small group leader. I don't volunteer on Sundays. I have to be here on Sundays. That's my job. That's my role. But I am here at the same church, and so I lead a Monday night small group with my wife with 22 Highlands College students in it because we're on the dream team at Highlands. I have a job at Highlands. Other people have jobs where they have jobs. We're both on the dream team. We're all in. It takes a total commitment. I get real nervous, especially I'm blown away by all these interviews that are happening with the, the ministry school students and the Highlands College students. It's awesome. But pastor, don't think that you're a hire away from great small groups. No, 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 no. You're a commitment away from great small groups. You cannot put the weight and the pressure of your small groups working on a single person. We did not have a staff member focused on small groups. We had a staff focused on small groups and have a staff focused on small groups. I believe we were about six years old when we had about 400 small groups and we hired our first, what you would call a small groups pastor, but it was really just to manage the organization of the structure of the small groups. It wasn't to make it successful. It wasn't to carry the responsibility of it because all the staff carry the responsibility of it. It takes a total commitment. In a free market system, seriously, as far as we know, there's just no better system. We have more people in small groups at Highlands than we have attending church on Sundays. And you would know this, people don't come to church every week. The reason we have, it doesn't mean we have more individuals, but our attendance numbers are higher at small groups than they are on Sundays, because people are more committed to being at their small group every week than they are coming to church every week. And we're okay with that, because life change happens in the context of relationship. Yeah, we'd lo love for them to come to church more often, but if they're in relationship, we know they're being cared for. We know there's a covering. We know they're getting prayed for. We know if there is an emergency that there's people around them that are going to care for them, and it, it's amazing 
how it works. And before I talk a little bit about Dream Team, I have to give my final like free market push. And if you've heard me tell this story before, I'm sorry, but I will tell it till the day I die. That church I walked into in Colorado Springs, Pastor Chris, the youth pastor, worship leader, all that, I was there for 12 years. That's where I was called to ministry. I I never worked there, but I was trained in ministry, eventually licensed as a pastor there. took about six years since I didn't go to college. It was a long journey, but that church had a great impact on my life. I left there and came here, okay? So I wouldn't be here if it weren't for New Life Church in Colorado Springs. So thankful for those 12 years. All 12 years, my own father was in church every Sunday. I never saw him grow spiritually. I never saw him take one step spiritually. He's a great man. Integrity, character, wanted to be a good dad, wanted to be a good husband. And listen to my mom, who was the spiritual leader of our house, showed up to church every Sunday, sang the same songs I was singing, listened to the same preaching I was listening to. No steps, no growth. Yet here I was moving closer and closer to full-time ministry, completely different trajectory in the same church. Six months after I was here in Birmingham, Highlands was six months old, and my greatest concern was the spiritual growth of my dad. He's one of my best friends. I'm definitely his best friend. We were very close, but I just was never able to have a spiritual impact on him. Prayed all those 12 years for him, never saw any results. Course was praying when I was here. In that semester, when we were starting small groups here, it would have been the fall of 2001, my mom called me on a Sunday afternoon, bawling her eyes out. I'm like, Mom, what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, nothing's wrong. These are happy tears. <laughs> and I didn't understand what that meant. Like, what in the world is a happy tear? But what are you talking about? And she's like, we walked out of out of church today, and they were starting small groups, and back then we called it rally day. All the small groups would promote, and it's like a job fair, carnival, you know, you'd you'd have poster boards and promote your small group, and she's like, we walked out of church, and your dad saw a, a motorcycle in the foyer, and he walked right to it. It's the first time in 12 years my dad didn't walk to the car, (laughs) Like, just seeing a motorcycle in the foyer attracted this tow truck operator, this business owner, this race car driver to a motorcycle. The leader's name was Jeff. Jeff said, hey, on Saturdays, uh, we're going to just meet at such and such cafe. We're going to have breakfast together. I might share a verse. We'll talk about it a little bit. We'll take prayer requests. We'll pray, and then we're going to go ride through the Rockies. My dad said, I'm there. That's why my mom is weeping. 12 years, no steps. A motorcycle, there's a step. Some of you are thinking, that's very unspiritual. Not if it's your dad. Not if it's your 12 years of prayer. Like, I'll take anything I can get. If it's a motorcycle, it's a motorcycle. Let's go. A couple months later, my mom calls me on a Saturday morning, crying. I'm like, Mom, what's wrong? She's like, no, it's happy tears. Mom, you sound terrible. She's like, I'm homesick. And I'm like, it's okay. Why are you crying happy tears while you're homesick? And she's like, your dad went to small group without me. Big step. Never in my life did my dad do anything spiritual without my mom. She was the leader. I got a little, I didn't cry. I just had a little. 
couple semesters later. It wasn't overnight life change. It wasn't all of a sudden, now my dad wants to be a pastor. Couple semesters later, we do a semester system. We kind of, we're, we're right now in the spring semester and we do a short summer semester and we do a fall semester. That's the free market. A lot of great benefits to that that Ian will talk about. Couple semesters later, my mom calls me on a Saturday afternoon crying. Guess what? Happy tears. Okay, mom, what happened? She's like, your dad talked today. <laughs> You're laughing, but that's my dad I've been praying for. He talked? Like with people? Like, like he engaged in a conversation? Like this is not my dad. Like to have a spiritual dynamic and a conversation about a scripture or whatever they were talking about, like that was huge. And I felt it again. And I'll end with one more, one more phone call of happy tears. My mom called me. This is probably two years of them going semester after semester to this small group on a Saturday afternoon, crying happy tears. Mom, what happened this time? And she said, God, it messes with me every time. She said that this morning after prayer requests were given, Jeff looked at your dad and asked him to pray. <laughs> and your dad prayed out loud for our small group. I will never, ever, ever forget that phone call. It wasn't great preaching. Some of the best worship in the 90s came out of New Life Church. It wasn't great worship. It was a guy named Jeff in a motorcycle. It was a free market small group that facilitated relationships, that built trust in a safe environment for people, including my dad, their masks to come off, for spiritual growth to take place, for lives to be changed, for care to happen. It's an absolutely amazing miracle because of a motorcycle. Very unspiritual, but extremely powerful because God has created us all differently. And it might not be a motorcycle that will touch some of the people in your church. It might be the soccer field. It might be studying the book of Romans. It might be breaking down the Greek and Hebrew. It might be studying your message from Sunday. Whatever it is, God can use it. But let the church look like the people, not like you. Don't, don't dictate what they have to do when God's placed unique things in them and unique passions in them, unique ideas in them. Empower them, facilitate them, and, and create a structure to train them for us. And now I'm shifting toward Dream Team. You have to have a clear process for people to know how to go from a tender to Dream Teamer, to go from a tender to small group leader. Like, what are the processes? What are the steps? We have absolutely no follow-up here at Church of the Highlands, and we just broke 24,000 people on our dream team. We don't call anybody. We don't follow up on anybody. We give clear next steps. So there is an easy, simple process. It's actually only four classes. We call it the growth track. To keep it simple, to keep it obvious, we do the Four classes on the first, second, third, and fourth Sunday of the month, and we are really creative around here, so we call it step one, two, three, and four. There is a four-step process. Literally, if you come to church as a visitor on the first Sunday of a month, you could literally 
get saved in that service, go to the growth track step one after that service, join the church, hear what the church is all about, get water baptized that day. We do water baptism on first Sundays. Then after the, you come back to the second week of the growth track, you take a personality profile and a spiritual gifts assessment. You discover your personality. You discover your spiritual gifts. You realize what part of the body you are. You figure out what part of the team you can be on. You come back at step three. You can learn about the leadership values that we have here at Highlands, what that looks like, what we would expect of you, how we would expect you to live at a lifestyle level to be able to be on the team, to, to wear the jersey. We believe that everyone that's on the team has influence regardless of the position that they have, whether it's behind the scenes or on a stage. They'll learn that in week three, and then week four, they get trained to be on the team. This doesn't always happen in perfect order, but simply put, if you happen to go the first through the fourth Sunday, you could go from unsaved visitor to small group leader in four weeks, in four steps. Now, very rarely would anybody that was not saved even want to be a small group leader. They might want to be on a different team, okay? But I'm just painting the picture for you that that is still the process today that Pastor Chris led me on at 17 years old. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be fully mature, fully devoted follower of Christ, proving yourself in every direction, in every way that you're perfect before you can be a small group leader. But we're going to give you a simple process, a clear process to get on a team, whether you're behind a camera, like these guys here, let's give it up to all of our team everywhere behind the scenes. You guys are amazing. Whether you're at a door, whether you're holding a microphone, playing an instrument, rocking a baby, parking a car, it, it doesn't matter. There is a clear process for that. And people begin to grow when they are needed. People get, begin to show up more often when they are needed. Our dream team are our most regular attenders at Church of the Highlands. Maybe our attendance is a reflection of the fact that we have so many people volunteering around here that because they're needed. I got to show up today. It's going to be raining hard. I mean, our parking team yesterday was incredible, absolutely incredible. We have two entrances. I came in this entrance over here, and the same parking guy that I, I, I talked to as I pulled up at 8 o'clock yesterday morning was out there at 9.30 last night. And he was smiling. I was like, man, you guys are amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But you've got to have a clear process. It can't be ambiguous. It can't be, I hope that you run into the right staff member so that you can figure out where you belong here. You want to have a clear process. We have that in our growth track. Our dream team is a result of the growth track. Whether you get trained on week four, step four, to be a small group leader or to be an usher, that is our process to get you on the team. Now, obviously, some teams need more training than one hour's worth of training. Like, you cannot touch our computers with one hour of training. You can't get behind one of those cameras with one hour of training. You are definitely not going to grab a microphone and sing a song just because you went to a training. So in some of those areas, it might take a year before you're ever, ever actually doing what you wanted to do, that there is a clear process to get there. And of course, there's going to be background checks if you're working with students or children. There's going to be some processes there. But the big picture, the most important thing of all of this, whether you're a small group leader or a parking team member, you're going to have a leader. You're going to have a coach. You're going to have somebody in your life that is walking along the journey with you. 
If you literally got saved and you start leading a small group, I doubt that would ever happen in four weeks, but if that happened, you're gonna have a coach that's right there with you. There is a system in place that as you go through your leadership journey, there is a coach walking with you, and if no one ever threatens suicide in your small group, no one will ever teach you what to do with someone who threatens suicide in your small group. There is no ongoing leadership meeting where we ask all our small group leaders, we have over 5,000 of them, not counting their co-leaders. Every small group has a co-leader, so technically I guess there's 10,000 of them. We don't ask them to come to a monthly meeting and sit in a meeting where some of them have heard it over and over again and some of them are hearing it for the first time. We allow the Hebrew model to take place. When there's a problem, we're gonna walk you through what that problem is. Maybe your coach has never dealt with that problem. They know that they have a pastor that they can go to that will then help them learn how to go through the problem. There is a process, there is a system in place for you to grow as you lead, for you to grow as you do life together, for you to learn even through your mistakes. But we have to have those clear steps for people to take that journey. And it's amazing when you can see it all work. It's a beautiful thing when, it, when it's happening and functioning and people are taking next steps. So that's what we do around here. We, we have small groups to help people find freedom and have small groups to help them take next steps. We have a, a growth track process for them to discover their purpose that results in them getting on the dream team so that they can begin to make a difference. And really, we have closed the back door of the church when we have people that are doing both those things. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, we don't have it figured out perfectly. There's always ways to make it better. I ask questions all the time when I'm around pastors because people are tweaking things and, and learning things, and we're learning from other churches. But if you don't have a good system, we want to give you ours. We want to just, just take it, copy it. We've worked really hard on it for 18 years. We continually adjust it. We're not married to it. We're not in love with it. We're in love with the vision, not the system. The system always gets worked on. The vision does not change. And so you can have what we have, and it's all for free. So if you want that, it's growleader.com is how you can learn anything you want to learn from Church of the Highlands. Growleader.com. It is a free website that has a resource aspect to it where you can watch small group leaders training where you can see our small group leaders orientation manual. You can actually just go through the training yourself. You can see our growth track book. You can watch our growth track videos. Pastor Chris leads step one and step three. He opens step two and he opens step four. Those are more workshop oriented. We have videos of all of that. So you can watch that. If we have a document at Church of the Highlands, it's on the website. If you want a letter that we would send a salvation person, our, our, our only follow-up is when somebody gets saved, we do send them a paper letter, or if somebody's here for the first time, we do send them a paper letter, and all it says is clear next steps. If you want to see that letter, it's on the website. There are about 2,000 different resources on that website for free. So anything we do at Highlands, if there's a document for it, it's there for free, growleader.com. Your church might already have a username and password. You can share it with your staff, be able to log in and get all of that for free. And once again, next week, if you email that email that was on the screen, we will have a training where, where Ian is gonna break down these areas very specifically and answer questions uh, on that online training. It'll go as long as it needs to go. And if you can't get there, you'll be able to watch it recorded 
and uploaded on the Grow Leader website as all of our online trainings are. We actually do monthly trainings online in our major areas of ministry at Highlands, and so this is ongoing. We're going to be able to keep training you even uh, beyond next week's uh, 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 online training. So I wanted to end a little bit early, so we did that. We got four minutes to go. Um, I hope that this was helpful uh, to you, and uh, we want to be able to keep resourcing you, so please utilize the, the, the free website, all right? God bless you guys. Craig Rochelle tonight, 7 o'clock. Have a good afternoon.